chapter number 12. We're going to be reading verses 25 through 28. We're going to be reading this morning from the New Living Translation. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 12 this morning began reading with verse number 25. Amen. The word of the Lord says, Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed, so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. Once again, I will, not, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all creation will be shaken and removed, so that only unshakable things will remain. The title of my message this morning is, A Whole Lot of Shaking Going On. Father, we thank you today, Father, that though there is a lot of shaking that is happening and taking place all around us and in our world today, Father, I thank you, Lord, that we do not have to be shaken. Father, Lord, our faith can stand the shaking And Father, I just pray today that you will help us to strengthen our faith today, that we may withstand that which is coming and that is happening today. We ask these things for the glory of the Lord. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Now, the passage of Scripture that we just read has several possible interpretations. No doubt this passage speaks of the shaking or the replacing of the law of Moses with the institution of the gospel of grace. And how many know that this certainly shook a lot of people up? It can also be speaking of a future day when God will take down this present world order and this present world system which is temporary And he will replace it with his kingdom, which is eternal. All we have to do this morning is open our eyes and look around a little bit this morning. And we will discover that that the shaking has already begun. The shaking that is taking place today is but the tremors of things to come. Yes, my friend, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. This morning I want to talk about two things. I want us to talk about things that are being shaken. And then I want us to talk about things that cannot be shaken. So let's start this morning by talking about things that are being shaken. And there is a shaking taking place today. How many understand this morning that it is no longer business as usual? I mean, understand today that we are living in unprecedented times. There has never been a day quite like the present day and the things that are happening and taking place and going on around us. There's a shaking in just about every area of life. There are three areas that I want to mention this morning. First of all, this morning there is a shaking 
in the monetary system. A shaking taking place in the monetary system. Our world's monetary system has never been more fragile. There are literally countries that are bankrupt. I didn't say... I didn't say companies. I said there are literally countries. In fact, there is a great debate going on. I read an article just this past week. A great debate going on right now over which currency is going to fall first. Will it be the euro or will it be the dollar? American Politicians are frantically trying to solve our economical problems. They've tried bailouts and they've tried stimulus packages. They printed more money and placed it into the economy. They're kind of like the little boy who stuck his finger in the dike trying to stop a flood. There's a whole lot of shaking going on in our monetary system. I don't know what you think this morning, but I believe that God is trying to get our attention. When the children of Israel would ignore God and start worshiping other gods, God would, He would remove His hand of blessing from them and, and He would allow them to struggle and they would struggle until the point until finally they would come back to I believe that's where we are in America today. America has turned their back on God and have embraced other gods. They've embraced the God of self and they've embraced the God of sensualism and sensationalism and and the God of secular humanism and on and on and on it goes. America no longer wants God in its schools, no longer wants God in its politics, no longer wants God in its laws. God is no longer a priority to most Americans today. Look with me in the book of Haggai, chapter 1 this morning, the book of Haggai. Almost at the end of the Old Testament, almost to the New Testament, the book of Haggai. Chapter 1 and verse number 5. God says to his people, now therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Think about what's going on in your life. God says, you've sown much, but you bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but nobody is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. At this time in their history, God's people had their priorities wrong. They, they had placed themselves upon the throne of their life. They had placed themselves, they had placed their needs, their wants, their desires ahead of God. And so God shook their monetary system in order to get their attention. Let me understand this morning, if you want to get somebody's attention, mess with their finances, mess with their wallet. God said to them, your priorities are all out of whack. God said to them, you want to build your houses before you build my house. God said to them, you place yourselves and your work ahead of my work. And so God says, I'm just going to mess with your life and mess with your little playhouse and mess with your monetary system. I'm going to send a little shaking into your monetary system. 
God said, you're going to sow much, but you're going to reap little. You're going to eat and you're going to drink, but you're still going to be hungry and you're still going to be thirsty. You're going to pile on the clothes. God said, but you're still going to be cold. God said, you're going to place all of your money in a bag with a hole in it. The more that you make, the more that you're going to need. Sounds a little bit like America. There's a shaking taking place in our monetary system today. What once was stable is now unstable. Friend, there once was a day that, that, that after you hired on to a reputable company, you were set, man. You, you were set. You had it made. You were guaranteed 30 years of pension and a gold watch. No longer will that happen. Employers are no longer loyal to their employees and employees are no longer loyal to their employers. There's a whole lot of shaking that's going on, my friend. Most Americans today are experiencing too much month at the end of the money. Notice something else that's being shaken together, uh, that is being shaken today. How about morality? Morality, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Turn with me there. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. Know this, in the last days perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, uh, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. From such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins led, led away by various lusts. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Somebody said there's a a new morality today. No, no, it's still called immorality. Oh, listen, friend, man, man can change his laws and make himself look good and make himself feel better about what he's doing. But friend, God's law still remains the same. Today, man, man says today, hey, hey, if a woman becomes pregnant, and a, it's just not a convenient time for her. No problem, man. Just, just have an abortion. Just, just abort it. it. It's only a fetus. It's just a blob of tissue. Uh, oh, man said it's a, it's a woman's choice. Man says it, it's her body. No, it, it's a child. It's not a choice, but a child. It's a human being. It's a precious life. Man says, Grandpa, Grandpa's getting old and getting senile and feeble and he's in the way. Let's just euthanize him. The cancer patient is too far gone and his insurance has run out. Euthanize him. You say, Pastor, we we don't practice euthanasia in America. Really? Where you been? 
Evidently, you haven't spent much time around the dying lately. Oh, oh, we don't call it that. No, no, we we don't put that word. We don't call, call it that. No, no, we call it making the patient more comfortable. But I ask you this morning, who are we trying to make more comfortable? The patient or the ones taking care of the patient and the ones paying the bill? God says, I'm in charge of life and death. Let me decide. I might as well just hit everything while I'm here, don't you think? God says homosexuality is sin. God says it's an abomination. Man says... That's kind of narrow-minded. Let's change that narrow-minded thinking, man says. Let's dress it up and make it sound presentable. We'll call them gay. Well, we're really starting off the new year right, aren't we? We'll call we'll call them we'll call them gay. That sounds better. And let's let's say that it's an alternate lifestyle. Let's actually create a new minority. Let's let them marry. Let's let them adopt children. Let's. Let's play make-believe. Why don't, why don't we play make-believe? Let, let's pretend that all of this is okay. No. It ain't okay. Homosexuality is sin. God strictly forbids it. And no, you were not born that way. It's a choice. Now, I'll go so far as to say that maybe you may have homosexual tendencies. Maybe you'll have a tendency for that direction. But let me tell you something. We all have wrong tendencies. Some of us have a tendency to be angry. Some people have a tendency towards alcohol. Were they born an alcoholic? No, it's a matter of choice. But they had a tendency, they had a bend towards it. Maybe dad and grandpa and great grandpa, all of those, did that make them an alcoholic? No, made them an alcoholic when they decided they were going to be one, when they decided and they made the choice to drink. But the tendency was there. I will go so far as to say maybe you have homosexuality, uh, homosexual tendencies, but all of us have tendencies that we have to struggle against and we have to fight against. Now let me spend a little time here this morning because I don't want anybody going out here saying stuff I didn't say. 
First of all, let me tell you, I don't hate homosexuals. Let me tell you this morning, I'm not bashing homosexuals this morning. That's not my point this morning. I love homosexuals. There's a homosexual in my extended family. Almost every family has that in their family somewhere. And I love this guy as much as I love everybody else in my family. I don't hate homosexuals, but I hate their sin. We hate sin, but we love the sinner. And I refuse to degrade them. I refuse to reject them. I refuse to alienate them. But I cannot embrace their sin. And I cannot condone their activity. And the same holds true for a drunkard or a murderer or an adulterer. Amen. We love the sinner, but we hate the sin. Friend, in the area of morality, there's a whole lot of shaking going on today. Not only is there a shaking in our monetary system and in morality today, there's a whole lot of shaking going on in just miscellaneous areas. Just miscellaneous areas. In every area of life, there is a violent shaking going on. Marriages are being shaken today, and 50% of them cannot stand the shaking. 60% of second marriages fail. 70% of third marriages fail. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. Blended families are having a tough time blending. (laughs) And because of the fact that, that, uh, because of the effect that it has on kids and, and the emotional trauma that it brings on the spouses, because of this, God said in His Word, I hate divorce. How about terrorism? 9-11 brought a spirit of fear to America. Some of you are my age or older, and some of you will remember growing up in a time when you didn't even lock your front door at night. I remember going to bed at night with the front door open, and the screen door is the only thing that separated us from the outside. Raise the windows. I remember a day uh, when you left your keys in the ignition of your car. Now, I grew up in a lot of small towns. and The most you did is throw them under the mat or over the visor. But most of the time, they were left in the ignition in the car in the driveway or the front of the house. I mean, my goodness, the neighbor might need to borrow it. I remember before my wife and I were married, actually before my wife and I were even dating, actually it was my brother and his and my wife's sister that were dating, and I went my, with my brother to, 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 uh, to, to see his girlfriend and hang out with some people we knew there, and, and my wife was there, and uh, we went and got her grandpa's car. We were 15 years old. Neither one of us had a driver's license, and we went and got her grandpa's car because we knew grandpa's keys would be in his car, and me and my wife, before we even dated, got in grandpa's car and drove all over Enid, Oklahoma. I remember as a kid, you'd leave the house when the sun came up in the morning. You didn't sleep till noon. As soon as the sun was up, you were up. And as soon as the sun was up and you had a little bit of breakfast in you, you were outside playing, man. And when I lived up in, lived in Oklahoma, the little towns, I mean, we'd get on our bicycle and we'd ride all over the town. 
And we didn't come home until we got hungry. Or until a neighbor said, uh, Mike, your mom wants you at home. And we'd go in and out of everybody's houses. I, I remember when I was a kid, my mom would uh, take us kids, when I was just a little boy, about eight, nine years old, ten years old, she'd take us, we sold Christmas cards for Christmas money to buy Christmas presents. And she would dump us out in some area in Oklahoma City. She would dump us out in some area and leave us there for two or three hours. And we'd go in people's houses and show them the Christmas cards and the all-occasion cards. I still remember what they were called. (laughs) Didn't even know these people, but I would go in their house. No worry, no fret, everything's going to be okay. Those days are over. Today, you better not take your eyes off your kids for a split second for fear that some pervert is going to pick them up. Last week, I took my two little granddaughters... uh, 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 Roller skating, and uh, and I had my eye peeled on them, and they wanted to go around this little wall, and their little heads weren't quite big enough for me to see. And I told them, I said, Papa, don't really like for you to go behind that wall because I can't see you. I mean, it was only from that from that door to that door, the wall. It only took them, you know, maybe five, ten, fifteen seconds to skate from there to there, but. I couldn't stand it that there was going to be fifteen seconds that Papa wasn't going to see his grandkids. Because I know how quick it can happen. Amen? Amen. Unemployment is at an all-time high. And people who are getting re-employed are re-employing with no benefits and half the salary. The housing market is crashing. Most, most people, especially in other parts of the country, owe more money on their house than they could even sell it for. And for the first time ever, the present generation doesn't believe they will equal or outdo the previous generation economically. All previous generations believed they would do as good or better than mom and dad, better than grandma and grandpa, better than great grandma and grandpa. But this is the first generation, read an article, the first generation, amen, that no longer believes, they don't even believe they're going to have in their future what we have today. A whole lot of shaking going on. Most baby boomers heading into into retirement years are postponing retirement or redefining retirement where they work part-time in order to make ends meet. And some, some baby boomers today believe they will never be able to retire. Social Security is turning into social insecurity today. And you could add to this wars and earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes, forest fires and tsunamis and the list goes on and on and on. I'm telling you this morning, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. Pastor, you might be be thinking, Pastor, I came here today for a word of encouragement. I came here today for you to to build me up a little bit today. I, I, I just thought, I just thought today on this first Sunday of the new year, you'd have a, 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 an 
encouraging, uplifting, uh, 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 passionate word for us today. Don't, not passionate, don't you have something positive for us? Sure I do. You, you already forgot what I said at the beginning of the message, don't you? Listen. I said, I have two things that I want to talk to you about today. And the first one was things that are, that are being shaken. Let me tell you, there's a lot of things that are being shaken today. But the second thing that I want to talk about today is things that, that cannot be shaken. And friend, there's some things that cannot be shaken. Oh yes, my friend, it is true. There's a whole lot of shaking going on today. And yet, amidst all of the shaking, there are some things that cannot be shaken. The first thing that cannot be shaken I want to talk about this morning is Scripture. Scripture. The Word of God. First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 24 and 25. Grass withers and, and a flower fades, but the Word of the Lord will remain forever. Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Isaiah 55 and 11, God said, My word will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper in the thing for which I sent and ever since God's word was written, man has tried to discredit it. Man has tried to prove it to be a scam and a hoax and a fantasy. But let me tell you this morning, everyone that has ever tried to discredit the word has failed. I'm telling you this morning that this word has stood the test of time. Well, give the Lord a shout of all. Ingersoll of old held up a copy of the Bible and he said, in 15 years, he said, this book will be in the morgue. 15 years later, Ingersoll was in the morgue and the Word of God is still alive today. Voltaire of old said, in 100 years, the Bible will be an outdated book. It will only be found in museums. 100 years later, Voltaire's house was owned and used by the Geneva Bible Society. Thank God doesn't have a sense of humor. Amen. Voltaire said, in a hundred years the Bible will be an outdated book found only in museums. hundred years went by. Voltaire's house was owned and used by the Geneva Bible Society. Ninety-two volumes of his writings were sold for two measly dollars. And the Bible remains the number one bestseller of all time. I'm telling you, there's a whole lot of shaking going on, my friend, today. There are some things... I cannot be shaken. Now friend, everything that we've ever been taught and everything we've ever believed in is being shaken today. What I preached a few minutes ago is preached in very few pulpits today. Legislation is trying to ban preachers from preaching the way I just preached about 15 minutes ago. Men's Everything that we ever believed in, everything we've ever been taught is being shaken, is being tested, is being tried today. 
And let me tell you this morning that man's opinions and human philosophy and personal preferences will not stand the shaking. But I'm telling you this morning that the truth of Scripture cannot be shaken. I'll tell you something else that cannot be shaken this morning, and that is steadfast saints. Now notice I didn't just say saints. There's a lot of saints that are being shaken today. I didn't just say saints. I said steadfast saints cannot be shaken. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1 and 2 concerning the coming of the Lord. Don't be so shaken in mind or troubled. You know, there are some products that you can buy at the store. And on the label it says, shake well before using. Now evidently some of the ingredients separate from one another. And a shaking of the bottle will reunite the ingredients and make the product more effective. And so it says, shake well before using. With people, the opposite is true. I said, with people, the opposite of this is true. With all the shaking that's going on all around us, this, this shaking, friend, is going to separate true saints from pretenders and wannabes. The shaking that's happening and, and it's going to continue to happen, it's going to separate the mighty from the mamby-pamby. God, give us some steadfast saints today who can stand the shaking. People like Job, who in his whole world was shaking all around him and crumbling down all around him yet, yet he said, though God slay me, yet I will trust him. And the Bible says of Job that all that Job went through, yet Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. We need people like the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24 through 28. Paul said, from the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. I was stoned. He didn't mean drunk either. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. I've been in journeys often. I've been in perils of waters and perils of robbers and perils of my own countrymen and perils of the Gentiles and perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren. I've experienced weariness and toil, sleeplessness often, hunger, thirst, fastings often, cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me every single day of my life my deep concern for all the churches. Surely there was no other man besides Jesus or perhaps Job who endured more shaking and, and testing than the Apostle Paul. And yet although Paul experienced the shaking, the shaking could not shake his faith. At the end of 
Paul's life in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Paul writes and he says, As for me, he said, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. And the time of my death is near. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. Listen, friend, this steadfast saint could not be shaken. What about us? What does it take to shake up our faith today? Disease? Oh, we're doing real well when everything's good and well. All of a sudden we, we get a disease, we get sick. We... What does it take to shake up our faith? Maybe difficulty. A little difficulty, we lose our job or somebody lies about us or we have problems in our home or problems. What does it take to shake up our faith? Maybe disappointment. Disappointment, man, we should have got that raise. We should have got that promotion. We should have got that job. What does it take to shake up our faith? A little disappointment? Death? The death of a loved one? Death of a spouse or a child or? What about us this morning? What, what does it take to, to shake up our faith? Are we steadfast saints? Or, or will the shaking that's taking place all around us, will it shake up our faith? Notice with me one more thing that cannot be shaken this morning. And that is a solid foundation. A solid foundation. You know, a structure of any kind is only as strong as its foundation. Oh, something may appear solid, may appear strong and sturdy, but unless the foundation was laid right, unless the foundation is strong, the structure cannot be strong. Steadfast saints are are steadfast because they have a solid foundation. Real quickly this morning, let's talk about two types of foundations and then we'll be through today. Let's talk about Faulty foundations. Faulty foundations for a saint. The first faulty foundation for a saint is an unbalanced, is unbalanced doctrine. Unbalanced doctrine is a faulty foundation. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14, Don't be like immature children tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching and doctrine. Influenced, he writes, by people who who try and trick you with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Hear me this morning, people. There's there's a whole lot of false. There's a whole lot of embellished doctrine and teaching that's floating around out there. There's a lot of quote-unquote Christian television that propagates unbalanced Doctrine and teaching. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you listen to. Guess who preaches and teaches on television? Anybody that has the money to pay the airtime. 
They don't have to have a covering. They don't have accountability. Nobody's holding them accountable. Nobody's looking over their shoulder. Nobody's looking at their books. Nobody's listening. Amen. And correcting false doctrine. Anybody that's got the money to pay the airtime can get on television or get on radio and preach and say anything they want. Guess who writes Christian books? Anybody that has enough money to publish them. Let me be clear. Don't walk out of here saying something I didn't say. I don't like that. I am not bashing television preachers. I am not bashing radio preachers. I am not bashing Christian authors. I'm simply saying be careful. I'm simply saying judge everything that you hear and everything you read with the Word of God. Because there's a lot of faulty teaching out there. There's a lot of unbalanced doctrine. There's a lot of people that will pick and choose. And listen, you can take the Bible and make it say anything you want it to say. You better know what's in here. Lest you be led away and led astray with unbalanced and embellished and taken out of context preaching and teaching. Notice another faulty foundation. I've got to hurry this morning. Uncertain faith. Uncertain faith is a faulty foundation. Galatians 1, verse 6 and 7. I am shocked. Paul writes to the Galatians, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God that called you to Himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following another way that pretends to be the good news, but it's not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. I come to you, Paul said, and taught you and preached to you the dispensation of grace that we are saved by grace and grace alone and you, and you embraced it and you were blessed and you were thankful for this new, uh, uh, this doctrine and this, uh, uh, this new dispensation of grace. But, but you've allowed false teachers, uh, you've allowed people to come in and add and they've added back in the law, back in and said you've got to do not only, you can, not only is it by grace, but it's also by good deeds and good works. I am shocked, he said, that you are so soon, so soon you've turned loose of what you have been taught. People who are unsure of their faith possess a faulty foundation. And when the shaking comes to their life, their foundation will crumble and their faith will fail them. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 8, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anybody cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. I'm going to tell you that I, I've heard a lot of preachers, amen, on television that have preached not the Word of God, but the philosophy of men. Amen, I've heard men that preach every single time they get on, and it's not the Word of God that they are preaching, but it is a self-help. Amen, pick yourself up by your own bootstrap, you can do it kind of thing. Amen, we need to be careful who we listen to. We need to be careful what books we read. Amen. We need to know that we know what we know and be rooted and grounded in the Word of God and in what we believe and what we know. I said there are two types of foundations. There's a faulty foundation. 
But then there's a flawless foundation. And a flawless foundation is one of uncompromised faith. A flawless foundation is one of uncompromised faith. Look with me this morning and we're closing, I promise. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. Matthew 16 and verse 13, Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, he said, Hey guys, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? What do people saying about me? Who do they say I am? They say, well, now that you ask, some people are saying you're John the Baptist. Some people are saying you're Elijah. Some, of your, some are saying you're Jeremiah. Some are just saying you're just one of the prophets. He said to them, Hey, fellas, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter. Of course it was him. But this time he's good. Simon Peter answered and he said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered, he said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Because, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. You're not that smart. Usually not wisdom that comes out of your mouth. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven... And I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church. What was the rock? Well, there's a religion that says Peter was the rock and the first pope Jesus didn't say, Peter, upon you, I'm going to build my church on you. No. No. What rock? Jesus said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. How many know we better know what the rock is? If the church is built on the rock, we better know and understand what the rock is. What is the rock? Was it Peter? No. No, it was upon the rock of revelation. Upon the rock of revelation of who Jesus is. Peter said, you are the Christ. The word Christ means anointed one. Jesus said, who do you say I am? And he said, by the Holy Spirit, Peter said, you are the Christ, you are the anointed one. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, upon this rock, this rock of revelation of who I am, that I am the Christ, that I am the anointed one, that I am the Son of the living God, that I am the perfect one, upon this rock of revelation of who I am I will build my church and the gates of hell amen cannot prevail against it friend a flawless foundation is one of uncompromised faith in who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us 
We get the worship team back in place this morning. If we, friend, if we have an uncompromised faith in Christ and His finished work on the cross, hear me this morning. Listen, I'm not done. Don't look at them. If our faith is not in our good works, not in our denomination, not in our local church, not in our pastor or some preacher, but in Christ and Christ alone. Christ, the Son of the living God. Christ, the Anointed One. Oh yes, friend, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. But you know what? I say let the shaking continue. I said, let the shaking continue. Bring it on, devil. How? Because there are some things that cannot be shaken. We might experience the shaking, but we will not be shaken. Our faith won't be shaken. It will still be standing when the shaking stops. Would you stand with me this morning? How about it, friends? Can you stand the shaking? Can you? There's a whole lot of shaking going on. Can you stand it? Some people can't even stand it when the preacher preaches five minutes longer than he should. Amen? Most people can't even stand it when the preacher gets close to home. And he doesn't do it mean. And he's just preaching the word, but they can't stand it. And they shake out. And they can't stand it. They can't take it. Amen? Can you stand the shaking? Do you know the scriptures? Do you? Do you know the scriptures? Most Christians today don't. They didn't have an index in their Bible. They couldn't find the pastor's text. And then it's a third of the way through the sermon before they find it, and now they don't even do it at all because it's done for them on the screen. Do you know the Scripture? Are you a steadfast saint? Or are you a wishy-washy, up and down, mamby-pamby, thumb-sucking, Cry, baby. Can you stand it shaking? Can you? Can you? Is your faith on a solid foundation? Or is your faith grounded in grandma's religion and the things you got from grandma? Do you have your own experience? Do you have a solid foundation? Christ, Son of the living God. Father, we just pray today, Lord, that you'll take this word today and God, it's nothing but the truth this morning. 
God, I just pray today, Lord, that you will help us this morning, oh God, to stand the shaking, to stand the test, to stand the trial, to stand the difficulty that comes our way. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning.